You guys ready to get in the Word? Man, I am so excited. This is week nine in this series on how to develop. It's just a short series. Week nine in how to develop a strong spirit. I feel like I'm barely getting going here, but we've covered a lot of ground. You know if you've been around here for very long, all of these messages are designed to build strength in you so that you can walk out God's plan for your life equipped with the Word of God, knowing how to walk in the love of God, knowing how to be led by the Spirit of God, knowing how to stay to where you're constantly being strengthened in the strength of God so you're not trying to do things in your own strength. Because we, as children of God, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through it in joy. We walk through it in peace, right? We walk through it in great provision. We walk through it in the anointing, which causes overflow in our life, which causes us to be able to minister to others. So this subject about developing a strong spirit is so important. And as we've said, remember man, us, we are a three-part being. You are not a body, you are a spirit, right? You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a physical body. This, this is my earth suit that you're seeing. And although this earth suit that you're seeing is aging on this earth, I'm not aging. My spirit man's being renewed every day. And I am to feed my spirit. We saw from the word of God, we're to feed our spirit the word of God. We're to daily nourish ourselves with the right diet. The word of God is the only spiritual food on the planet, and it's the only spiritual food you'll ever need. And what's nice is it's, it's unlimited, right? It's not just barbecue. It's, it's everything, right? It's whatever you need. It's got the perfect amount of protein and carbs and macronutrients and all these things. It's perfect for your spirit. And you've got to nourish yourself, but you also have to exercise, you have to exercise your spirit so that it will grow and go, grow stronger. Stronger, fully persuaded that God's word is true so that nothing can ever pull you off from focusing on Jesus. You're no longer moved by anything outward. You're moved by what's going on inside, right? You're getting all your direction from the inside, not the outside. All hell could be breaking loose. And absolutely, you know, all hell is going to break loose on the outside, right? It's okay. He's already given you the victory over all of it. Yeah. But then there's a third aspect. Not only do you nourish yourself, not only do you exercise, but you have to learn how to rest spiritually. And we don't talk about this much. And I'm hoping we'll get there tonight because we kind of, we, we really spent a lot of time uh, on the nourishment end of it. We spent some time on the exercise part of it. 
we, we showcase some exercises. I want to kind of showcase one more and then hopefully jump into rest. But let's just jump on here and, and let's go, go with this. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 6 and 7. And if you could pull it up on the screen in the Amplified Classic, we're just going to read it in the Amplified Classic because it brings out the parenthetical Greek definition so well. It gives us a good picture of what, what Paul was writing to Timothy about. It gives us a clear picture what the Holy Spirit is communicating to us. It says, if you lay all these instructions before the brethren, now he's talking to a pastor, you'll be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus. But then he shifts and he tells you how you're going to be a good minister and a good steward. You have to ever nourishing your own self. If I didn't constantly nourish myself and grow spiritually, you wouldn't want to come to this church. You'd have to try to go find some other place because everything, all ministry flows out of the overflow of your personal walk with the Lord. Your whole life is to flow out of the overflow of your personal walk with the Lord. Ever nourishing your own self on the truths of the faith and of the good Christian instruction which you have closely followed. How can I minister to others? I have to nourish myself. Tonight, we are trusting the Holy Spirit for utterance tonight, that he will communicate his truths specifically to us. He uses me as a vessel, but he will t literally custom make everything for you but here's the deal even though i'm doing the teaching and the preaching whatever however he leads me even though the holy spirit is here to bring revelation of all of these things you will still have to nourish yourself you're, you know, we could make the food, it could be prepared, it could be sat in front of you, you could even see it, but you have to actually eat, right? Could you imagine, would you get any nutrition if you just chewed some food for a little bit and then spit it out on the plate? Nope, you wouldn't get any nutrition out of that, very, or very little. But you have to nourish yourself. We nourish ourselves on the truths of the faith. What is that? That's the word of God. We nourish ourselves on the word. And of good Christian instruction, what's that? That's the word of God, right? Which you have closely followed. See, in other words, I can't, I can't give you what I don't have. Does that make sense? I can't take you someplace that, that I haven't been, right? So this is so important. And then it goes on, but refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales and silly myths, and express your disapproval of them. In other words, when you're going throughout your day and in your life, if you're sitting there watching TV and some nonsense comes on about your diabetes or your arthritis or something, say no. Well, first of all, as you're saying, no, mute the thing, right? That's why God created that mute button on the remote. You don't need to listen to that nonsense. It's not yours. 
right? No, no, I reject that. But if you hear something, you just walk away going, no, 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 no. I don't receive that. That is not true. This is what truth is. It is written, it is written, it is written. And that's how we walk by faith. The word is always in our heart, always coming out of our mouths. Then it goes this, says this at the end. It says, train yourself towards godliness, piety. Train yourself. That's exercise. You have to train yourself. How do you do that? By being a doer of the word of God. There's some great exercises. There's some great workouts that you can do. And the Holy Spirit is your trainer and knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you need. Train yourself towards godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. And I love the way that's written because the Bible says that we have to, in Hebrews it says, we have to give the most earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time they should slip. Right? Do you know, and I've used this example many times before, but you know, I could grab a basketball right now and dribble a basketball, and it feels totally normal to me. Now, I can't do what I used to be able to do on a basketball court. I don't, the reason why it feels normal is because I don't hardly ever play basketball. So I'm so dull that it just still feels normal. In other words, if you don't keep yourself spiritually fit, you can actually think you're okay. But you know, if I got in a, if I got in a court with somebody who played all the time, woo, I'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm dull. But if I'm never around anybody who's sharp, I'm, I wouldn't know that I'm dull. I remember when I moved from this small town in Illinois after we left Chicago, we lived in these little dinky towns. Well, we were, we were in these little towns, and then all of a sudden, I'm a freshman, I'm getting ready to be a sophomore, and we moved to a bigger city, and all of a sudden, I was, I was thrust in to a whole new level of basketball. A whole new level. You know, whereas before, man, I was a great outside shooter, and you know, I was, I was 6'3", so I was as tall as most of the guys that I played with, and you know, they really didn't jump that high, and all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, I find myself in Decatur, Illinois, and I remember driving by, we didn't live in a great area, and I drove by this park. And I'm like, wow, there's all these guys playing basketball, right? And, and so I'm like, I'm going to go play because I was really good. You know, I mean, I was really good when I was younger, at least in my own mind. And, and then all of a sudden, these guys are quicker. They can jump a lot higher. I mean, it's a whole new level. Where we'd get three or four guys, you know, we'd come down, we'd play two-on-two two or three-on-three. Three. No, this was four-on-four, four, full court. Go to 11-by-1, win-by-two, winner stays on. And, and for like almost four weeks, they wouldn't even let me play. I'd get in line, I'd put my name, 
And they're like, no, no, you, you, you don't play here. I'm like, you know, and, and in between games, I'd get out there and I'd shoot and, you know, trying to impress some of them. They weren't impressed. And I realized then, if I want to be a good basketball player, I've always got to play with people better than me, sharper than me. And so I hung around all these guys, and and it wasn't fun. You know, when you're going in, you're going in for a layup, and here come, I remember this guy, Israel, 6'10". He could touch the top of the backboard. Now, we didn't play on square backboards, but, but it's still, it's 12 feet in the air. I mean, he could touch the top of it. And I can't tell you how many times I'm going in, and he's coming behind me, and he slaps it against the backboard, looks at me, and takes it down. I'm like, that's goaltending. No, there's no goaltending where we played basketball. But you know, and then there was this one guy. He used to play for the, now I'll date myself, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. He played for the Utah Jazz. Did you know they were, you're, you're right. I'm sorry, not Utah Jazz, the New Orleans Jazz. And he took me under his wing. He would sit there and he's like, okay, I want you to stop me. I'm going to drive baseline. Well, that's easy. He would still can do it. I'm like, wow. This guy played in the NBA, but he taught me the game. He would let me play with him and two other guys. And we'd go to these parks and we'd stay on all night long. And man, I'd play basketball. Literally, I'd wear a basketball out about every month to six weeks. I'd wear a pair of shoes out every four weeks. I played so much full-court basketball. And then my parents would take me to go back to Chicago on the northwest side to see our grandmother and grandfather, and all of my friends there had absolutely no athletic ability at all. And so I wouldn't play basketball for like three days. And then I'd go back, and I'd get a basketball. I could hardly dribble. I could hardly shoot. I'm like, what in the world? But I was so in tune that just not playing for three days, I could tell a big difference, and it would take me some time to get back. It's exactly the way it is spiritually. You hang around people that are never in the Word, they'll think you're a rocket scientist. They'll think you're a theologian because you actually opened your Bible. Right? They have a Bible, but it's so holy. It has a holy place in one of their bookshelves. Or if you've ever seen one, you know, in the old days, the big family Bibles, right? Yeah, dust it off. That's right. You're coughing. But, you know, if you want to grow, if you want to grow. Now, now going to those parks and playing basketball, I mean, I'd get my butt kicked. Now, I would do well, too. I, I, it, was, it was great. But, man, I was playing always against guys that were better than me. You know, and, I, and, and it made me a better basketball player. When I get around spiritually mature people, it makes you more, more in tune to spiritual things because you're nourishing at a different level. You're exercising at a different level. Man, you've never seen anybody work out. I remember the first time back in, in my corporate job going to the Chicago Bears training camp and watching them lift weights in their gym. I thought I was in shape. I thought I knew how to work out. Oh, my goodness. Whole new level. Well, here's the thing, guys. 
You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. And he knows everything you're ever going to face. And he is the one who opens the word. And he'll see to it that you have revelation knowledge that will grow you up and strengthen you before you ever get in any battles. He'll get you ready for everything. But you can't play church. I'm so glad we don't play church around here. Now, here's the thing. This is not, you don't decide I'm not playing church and then you never play church again. This is like a daily, like when you're coming to church on Wednesday night, when you're getting out of your car, you got to go, okay, I'm not playing church tonight, right? I'm not, I'm not going to walk around because sometimes if you come to church and because you're in leadership or something, if you feel kind of special, you're in trouble. Because I got to tell you, if you came tonight and you haven't been in the word this week, and you're not where you should be, guess what? You're special. And the road to getting sharp is right now. It's literally a decision. Because I'm telling you, the minute, the minute you turn and say, okay, I want to start this process of developing a strong spirit, the Holy Spirit's like, I'm all, I'm all in. And he'll cover you in every area that, that he's not dealing with. It'll be okay, but he'll start getting you in shape in this area. And you'll start to learn how to walk by faith. You'll start to learn how to walk in love. So that when you get stung or you get pressed, the right thing comes out. This is very, very important that you see this. Strong faith comes out of a strong spirit. You'll never be able to get around that. We have a bunch of people right now thinking, man, you know, I'm a Ramagrad. I went to Rama in the 80s. Or if I'm really spiritual, you know, in, in the late 70s. Or like if I'm a 1984 Rama grad. Or 1982. Boy, I'll tell you, you know. Just because Brother Hagen knows your name, that doesn't make you spiritually mature. Right? Strong faith comes out of a strong spirit. And we said this Sunday, I'll say this again, the Bible never tells you to get more faith. It tells you to use the faith that you have. Right? Remember we, we talked about that. The story, there's only one place it talks about the amount of faith, and it says that the smallest amount of faith, like a mustard seed, will produce the greatest results. Doesn't take much of the faith of God to overcome in life, in every area of your life. Doesn't take much of the faith of God to get every ounce and every cell in your body free from sickness and disease. It doesn't take much of the faith of God to eradicate all the debt in your life and change the course of your financial life forever. Because guess what? It's already been changed. It's just a matter of you laying hold of it now. It's not about how much faith. It's all about how strong you stand in faith and you have to have a strong spirit so that you can be at rest and be strong in the Lord. If you don't have a strong spirit, your flesh and your unrenewed mind will try to be strong. And you'll never be able to be strong enough in yourself. You're no match for Satan in this game. 
He'll have you in a short period of time wondering what the Bible really says, and he'll have you on the works treadmill until you fall on your face. But if you get strong in spirit, and all of a sudden you know everything you're seeing is subject to change, and it is subject to the name of Jesus. And it is subject to the truth of God. And that now the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me, quickening my mortal body, keeping me in health, healing me if I'm sick. And, and now I'm strong in him and I know him. I'm getting to know him. Every, my walk of faith is he reveals something from the word and then I progress and I learn something else about him and I progress and I keep getting stronger and stronger, which means I get further and further away from doing my own thing and I just let him work out, or let, let him do it and I just work out what he's working in. This is what we're talking about. We have to learn how to resist not only the enemy's attacks, but the enemy's thoughts. The, the Holy Spirit will get you to a point where now, man, when a thought hits your mind, you will instantly, the word will come up and go, that's not from, that's not from me, that's from the enemy, and, and he'll give you the scripture to take it captive. you got to resist the enemy's thoughts in order to resist his attacks. Does that make sense? Being strong and built up spiritually, it does this in you. It produces in you an eagerness to believe God. This is why most people, they just give up right away. They don't have this eagerness to believe God. Why don't they? Because you got to be strong in spirit. You have to be built up. Once you build yourself up and you're strong in spirit, you will automatically have an eagerness to believe God. It'll automatically be there. There will be something rising up in you that you're not going to put up with anything the enemy's doing in your life. But if you don't feed your spirit... Your spirit will just kind of go dormant and you'll just be flesh-led, right? And God doesn't want that for you. Hebrews 10.23, you guys know this verse. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because he is faithful that promised. Matthew 10.22 says this. At the end of this verse, it says, but he that endures till the end will be saved. That means he that endures till the end will be healed. He that endures till the end will have his needs met. Right? We receive the promises of God through faith and patience. And all this stuff is already in you. You just got to feed yourself and exercise and get strong in it. So that you're not trying to figure it out on your own. You're not looking at natural things trying to figure out what to do spiritually. You just get over all that. You're not moved by people anymore. Why? Because you know they're not your enemy. You also know that they're not your provision. Right? You're not looking to anything other than him. All of my trust now is in him. Now, now you're starting to tap into eternal life. Because you know him. I love that. So nourishment. Here, let me just give you a, a few scriptures. We've talked about these on nourishment. Matthew 4, 4. 
I'm just going to read them. You could just write them down. Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered. This is when he was tempted. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He is, he's quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. It says, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall man live by. 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Desire it. The sincere milk of the word. Do you know how a baby, if you don't know how a baby desires it, just talk to Ryan or Carissa. Talk to some of these new moms. That baby doesn't care if you're sleeping right? It doesn't get any better as a toddler. Man, Asher and Micah get hungry. They hear nothing else. They're like, feed me, feed me. Yeah, mom's going to feed me. They, they, they don't care, right? Why? Because they, they desire it. It's kind of like the seagulls, right? Mine, 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 mine. Have you ever watched Finding Nemo, right? My wife, we were at the beach one day. She had a sandwich. Remember that? Man, this thing, she, she held the sandwich up, and this seagull swooped down and took it right out of her hand. Yeah. A friend of mine was eating a, a chicken leg one time. Came down, grabbed it, and swallowed it before. I'm like, we're looking at this seagull. He's on the ground. He's like, ah. and he swallowed the whole thing. I mean, you know, feed me. Our dog, Zoe, would die literally would die eating. If we gave her unlimited food, she'd eat till she died. Right? We are to desire. We are to desire the word that way. Acts 20, 32. It's another wonderful scripture. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his grace, that's the word of God, which is able to build you up and do what? And give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Do you know your inheritance is, is forever sealed in heaven? It's yours. The enemy, I don't care what you've done, you've never messed it up. That inheritance is still there. It's yours. It's set apart for you. John chapter 15, I think, sums it up more than, or, or just sums up everything we're saying with nourishment. And here it is. John chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Jesus talking, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. And then if you jump down to verse 4, it says, abide in me. Why do we abide in him? Because he's the vine. And guess what? He is an unlimited vine which will produce unlimited fruit. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Well, who is Jesus? He's the word of God. I am the vine, verse 5, and you are the branches. 
He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We must draw from the vine daily. And this is what I want you to see. See, this is where we've kind of missed it in Word of Faith circles. We read this, okay, so if I abide in him, and he's abiding in me, then I'm going to bring forth much fruit. And man, I need fruit. And this is where we miss it. Because the fruit is not for you. And all creation, you see it. Does that apple tree produce apples for, for the tree? Do you ever see a, an apple tree eating the apples? No. That tree blesses others. If you can get this, it'll change your life. The reason why the faith level in whatever you want to call us word of faith circles is so low is we are just focused on I've got to believe God for what I need. And it's all about, I mean, I'm like a tree that's bearing fruit, but I have no desire to give my fruit away. But this is the way it works. You believe God for healing, but your heart attitude is, Father, you've provided healing for me so that I could live long on this earth and live strong on this earth. And man, I'm going to go tell the world that you're a healer. I bet Satan hates the fact that he tried to kill Brother Hagen. Right? Deformed heart blood disease. Do you know more people are getting healed today and he's been in heaven for 18 years because of those books that are everywhere. And, and right now there's almost 300 Bible schools all over the place and they're, they're starting to produce them in all these other languages and then you have other Rhema ministers that have come up under Brother Hagen and learned some stuff and now they're writing books and producing them and it's covering the world. And that's just our little deal. If you could ever realize that I want to be laser focused on helping other people. See, because if you go through something and you walk through it and, and you have the victory in that, then you have fruit. And you know what the Holy Spirit's, if this is, it's really hard to understand the leading of the Holy Spirit if you don't get this. If you've come through some stuff, God will bring people across your path that are going through the same thing so that you could give them some fruit. And as you're giving them fruit, God is harvesting more into you. That's why, that's why you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else is just added to you. Because here's the difference. You're, you're giving other people your fruit, but God is causing it to come back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over 30, 60, 100 fold. Guys, 2022 is, is to be a year of freedom in your life. Freedom from debt, freedom from sickness and disease, freedom from depression, but the byproduct of that is you have to be passionate about giving it away. You realize right now we're in a Christmas season where the world is scared to death. And we have the answer. 
Do you realize if we would just go to the Lord, or whatever we're doing right here, do you realize that in the month of December, if you would go before the Lord and go, listen, just, I'm available. Send me to people that I could minister to, that I could tell my testimony. You know, when you tell your testimony, you're giving them fruit. Yeah, but God's never done anything for me. Yeah, you flesh-ruled person. You're blind. You're saved. You were on your way to hell forever, and on the way was bondage in life. And then Jesus died for you. Go tell people about how much he loves you. See if all of a sudden we're going to have stress in our church. Because, you know, Teresa, she's going to be coming to me going, Pastor, we're out of room in the West Wing. We need another building. See, people need to know what we have. Got to give away your fruit. How'd I get off on all that? Let's talk about exercise a little bit. Hallelujah. Zach's running the clock and Brian's back there too. The clock's going too fast, guys. You got to slow it down. <laughs> Exercise. You don't, I said this before, you don't become strong in faith by only hearing the word. You got to do it. Right? You could go, go watch a fitness video. You could watch a fitness video till you are blue in the face until you know every move that they're going to do and you won't lose actually you'll gain weight because you'll sit there eating bonbons going wow <laughs> right no you got to get up and get your butt to the gym don't you right you got to exercise you can tell if you're a hearer only right or you can tell if you're a doer you can tell. How can you tell? Your reaction to the storms of life will tell you. If you're a hearer only when the storm comes, you're going to want to talk to all your friends about your, about your storm. You're going to be shrinking back on what are we going to do. Right? Now, this is the cool thing about being part of a church family. If that's you, this is what you do. Don't play church. Don't be afraid to tell people, hey, you, you need to start calling people up. Or, or, you know, look at people in church and go, hey, he looks strong. Hey, Pastor Dave, can you tell me how victorious I am? Can you tell me how healed I am? Right? If you're going through something, man, get people praying for you. Call Because we get all this stuff together and you get around people that are strong and you'll start getting strong. So this is huge. What brings confidence into our lives is not just the new birth alone. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I've given my life to Christ. And they're a mess. And Satan is beating them up in every arena of their life. That's not enough. What brings the confidence is not just, see, God is not the God that would just have people be saved. He didn't stop there. He says, and he's the God who wants everybody to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what brings confidence into our lives is not just the new birth, but the richness of the word of God that is dwelling in our hearts 
That's what brings confidence. Yes, you're already born again. You are already 99.9% of the way there. You start to get the word dwelling in your hearts. It has a cumulative effect on your spirit. All of a sudden, stuff that used to bother you won't bother you anymore. Things that you thought were impossible, you'll look at them and know they're possible. This is the thing. We're not talking about positive thinking. Right? We're talking about literally all things are possible. Right? The impossible is possible for us. We're not moved by what... what, I'm not going to let my past move my future. I'm not going to let anything stop me from God's future that he has for me. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. You know, I know I was supposed to do this and I was supposed to get an education and I didn't. And now, you know, this is... Now I'm like, I'm like, I'm like old. I'm like 29. And I just don't know what to do. Right? Here's the answer. Just start getting in the word. And all of a sudden, you'll start seeing things. And God will start moving you. Now, now a lot of the stuff that God will have you do, it might be uncomfortable to your flesh. But I'm telling you, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. You'll love the result. You'll love the result. And he'll get you to where you need to be. You have not messed up the plan of God for your life. You mess it up when you don't, you're not willing to change. Nothing grows if it doesn't change. So then we talked about some spiritual exercises. Remember the first one? Walking in the Spirit. I walk, I let the Holy Spirit of God lead my spirit. So I walk according to my own human spirit. I don't walk according to my flesh. Walking in the Spirit is a great exercise spiritually meditating in god's word is the second one we talked about right number three speaking and praying in tongues in that unknown tongue that you receive when you receive the baptism in the holy spirit it will grow your spirit man number four confessing god's word never letting his word depart out of your mouth This is a, I mean, I'm telling you, when you just want to tell somebody about what you're going through and instead you speak the word, man, that's an exercise that'll even cause you to sweat. Your flesh hates it. Satan will bring people out of nowhere to tell you how stupid you are. Right? Number five, here's a big one praise, worship, and thanksgiving is a spiritual exercise that will grow you up spiritually. Number six, the last one that we talked about, this is huge, giving. You bring your tithes, you sow offerings into your local church, you live your life to bless other people and watch how God will fill your life with finances and all kinds of material things. I'm telling you, that is a huge spiritual exercise, and that's hard. See, it doesn't really matter where you're at. If if you sowing 
and do and obeying God and realize he'll never hurt you but you sowing something in your and your mind's going man if we sow this what are we going to do now remember we're being led by the spirit we're not being led by some minister that has no ownership in your life this is why as a pastor I'll talk about money because see I have ownership in your life if you haven't figured out by now I'm not in this thing for the money then, then you need to go find a pastor that you can trust that way. I remember the first time we had a guy come in. Man, he's a great friend of mine. He preaches. You know, he'll be back here. He does wonderful teaching on finances. His name's Larry Hutton. And I had him come the first time he came. I'm like, listen, Larry, I want you to teach on finances. Oh, boy, did I miss it. Now, they were great meetings, but the Lord said, listen, you talk to your congregation. You talk to your church family. Not, don't bring somebody from the outside. You do it. Because they trust you. Right? But this is an area that will change your life. But, but see, here's the thing. You might be at a grocery store. And you have a very limited budget. And you need food. And you might see some person that's dressed nicer than you. That looks like they have money. And God might tell you, buy all their groceries. What you don't know is he's trying to get you in a position where you could have your groceries taken care of for the next six months. Everything God does, remember, your path is one of increase. He's trying to get you an increase. So that's a big spiritual exercise. So now I want to take a moment, I want to jump back, and I want to talk about exercise number two, because this is so important. Let's talk about meditating in the Word of God. This is huge. Go to Joshua chapter 1. We talked about it a little bit. We're going we're gonna to revisit this again. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit said. So that's what we're doing. And it'll be good. Joshua chapter 1. Here's Joshua. He is the minister of the greatest man in the history of the nation. And now Moses dies... And now Joshua's first assignment is to do something that the greatest leader in the history of Israel failed to do. So now God's going to give him instruction on how to take these people into the promised land. Now why is that important? Because this is a type. You and I are basically the children of Israel going into the promised land is a type of a Christian going in and obtaining their inheritance. So this is literally a textbook instruction manual on how you could lay hold of your inheritance. So God speaks to Joshua. In verse 1 through verse 7, we won't read it tonight. We've dealt with this before. But in verse 1 through verse 7, God speaks to Joshua. He says, listen, Josh, I'm going to give you everything that I gave Moses. I will do for you everything that I did for Moses. I'm going to do the same for you. Joshua, I will be with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. And because of this, Joshua, because of what I just told you, 
You have to be strong. It's in the commanded tense in the Hebrew. You be, because of, because I'm going to give you everything I gave Moses, because I'm going to do everything for you that I did for him, because I will never leave you, I'll never fail you, I'll never forsake you. Now, Josh, because of what I just said to you, I'm commanding you to be strong and very courageous. Right? He's standing at the doorway of your heart right now. The Holy Spirit's going, listen, I'll do everything for you that I did for Jesus. You have access to everything that Jesus has access to. You've been given delegated authority in the name of Jesus. Every place that your foot treads upon, that's where the kingdom of God is. You, I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. Now, now you be strong and you be courageous. That's exactly what this story is all about. And then verse 8 comes. You're going to have to be strong and very courageous to exercise. Right? To be a doer of the word. It's really nice to sit and be all pumped up as you hear a message. But these messages are not designed to pump you up. They're designed to strengthen you so that you get courageous so that you lay hold of your healing. So that you lay hold of the finances that you need. So that you lay hold of peace. So that you get Satan out of your life and family. Right? That's what they're designed to do. And then he says this. Verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1. He says, this book of the law. Now to you and I as a New Testament believer, we have more than the law now. So we would say this. The word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, God is saying, here's how you're going to lay hold. The word of God can never depart out of your mouth. The Knox translation says, the word of God is to always govern your utterance. Right? It's, and then he says this, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Have you ever noticed that it's either day or night, right? Now, I guess there's dawn and there's dusk, so maybe you have a little time where you could take a break, but I would suggest, no, don't ever let it depart out of your mouth. And you do that so that you may observe to do all that is written therein. You meditate in the Word of God. You, you get very strong and courageous. Why? That's based on what God said to me, that He's with me. He's in me. When I go through the fire, He'll be with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. So now I'm strong and courageous. Now I never let the Word of God depart out of my mouth I meditate in it all the time so that I could observe myself doing it. When you meditate in Scripture, you will start to see on the inside of you your answer. I can't wait to see some things that I've seen in, uh, that I've seen on the inside of me for our church. And oh, we will see them. Right? We're going to see them. 
You need to see yourself well on the inside before you're going to see yourself well on the outside. Because your words will never move the sickness until they move you. And the word does the work. You don't have to do the work. You just keep it in your mouth. Every time your body aches, you say, Father, I thank you that Jesus himself, it is written, he bore my pain. He carried away sickness from me. By his stripes, I am healed. How many times do you say that? You just never stop saying that. Every time a thought hits you, what are we going to do financially? Father, I thank you that the path of the righteous is one of increase. The blessing of Abraham is upon my life. I I have already been redeemed from poverty and lack. That's how you obtain your inheritance. But to do that, you got to be strong. You have to have a strong spirit. Because strong faith comes out of a strong spirit. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, and then, for then, you shall make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous. In other words, God's word gives you the ability to make your way prosperous. Isn't that amazing with God? Now, he's still the one doing it all. You're believing, you're speaking, he's performing. Right? That's how it works. That's how you make your way prosperous. He will open a door that no man can shut. How does he do that? You keep the word of God in your mouth, right? And you observe yourself doing it, and then God will perform it. I love this. This Hebrew verb, shall make, it means to break forth. It means to prosper. It means to succeed. It describes, this Hebrew word gives you a picture of the Holy Spirit's effect on a person that, that is making them powerful. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And it's a picture of the Holy Spirit's effect making you powerful. You'll make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. In the Hebrew language, it literally means you will deal wisely in all the affairs of your life. In other words, you have to be strong and courageous to be a doer of the word. God tells Joshua this two times in verses 6 and 7. He tells him two times, be strong and very courageous. God tells Joshua how to be strong and courageous in verse 8. And then in verse 9, he goes on and he tells him again, he commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. Isn't that amazing? This is, and this is the way you should parent. You tell your kids what to do, right? You tell them, then you explain to them how to do it, and then you tell them to do it again. That, that's all through the Bible. God will tell you, he'll tell you what he wants you to do, and then he'll tell you exactly how to do it, and then he'll come back and he'll tell you again what he wants you to do. Because he really is our helper. He's such a good father. I love that. 
A person who doesn't meditate in God's word and is not strong and courageous won't be able to be a doer of the word. You must meditate on God's word. Why? So that you're operating out of what you believe instead of you're operating out of what you're seeing or feeling. This is everything. Psalm 19.14 says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I love this. Meditation in God's Word causes, causes us to observe the Word working in our lives even when the circumstances of our lives are screaming at us. You're being fortified on the inside. This is huge. See, most people, if you don't get strong spiritually, what they've done is they've pulled the shade down on their life and are only imagining the facts of their life as they have them. And what that'll always lead you into is fear. And it'll lead you into defeat when you're never to be defeated. Wow. Of all that you've heard in the Bible, how much of it have you seen yourself doing? That's a great question to ask yourself. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come unto me, all ye. Now this is the rest part. All ye that labor, that Greek word means toil, and are heavy laden. This means, this Greek word means you're overburdened. You have burdens upon you that are way beyond what you are to handle. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This word rest in the Greek means A quiet ceasing that refreshes. That is the perfect picture of how you rest in your spirit. All of a sudden, in your inner man, there's a quiet ceasing. All the circumstances, all the noises from the outside just go... And it refreshes your spirit. Because you can't rest on the outside if you're not resting on the inside. Most believers are never taught anything like this, so they don't even know what that means. It's a quiet ceasing that refreshes you. So how do I get to that point? Number one, verse 29, you have to take Jesus' yoke upon you. The yoke of a rabbi was his doctrine. You have to take the word of God upon you. In other words, you have to make a decision to put his word first place to where there's no option for you. I trust him. If you want that quiet ceasing that refreshes, you're like, listen, God, Your word is my final authority. I come to it with a reverence and an honor and a respect for your word above everything in my life. 
and there's no other option for me than to do it. When you do that, you'll walk in the peace of God. Take my yoke upon you, but, but this is what his doctrine does, and learn of me. See, the whole word of God is so that you know him. John 17, 3, and this is life eternal, that you would know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. And you've heard me say this, Bible know means to experience. When you get in the word of God and meditate in it, you start experiencing God. Because this is not a religion. It's about a relationship. Hang with me. Boy, there's such a wonderful open door right now. If I could stop crying, I could preach. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am humble, I'm meek, I'm lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. See, we separate spirit and soul to teach on it, but if, you're, if you were to leave your body right now, your soul and your spirit would go. It's an integrated system. Learn of me, Jesus says. Take my doctrine upon you. Learn of me. I'm humble. What does that mean? Here's what humility is. In myself, I can do nothing, but in Christ, I can do all things. That's Jesus. In myself, I do nothing on this earth. It's my Father that does everything. See, when you... See, humility is really seeing the truth. Pride is, is buying a lie. This is rest right here. You'll find rest for your souls for, again, look at, well, look at what he says. He tells you, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. How do you do that? Well, you take my yoke upon you, learn of me. I'm meek, I'm lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And then he goes right back again. Guys, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, and I'll leave you just with a couple statements here. You need to rest spiritually. To recover, you must rest. Right? Do you know if you're sick physically, you need to rest do you know when you sleep at night, your body, there's a healing and a recovery process that happens. It's the same thing in your spirit. So we must learn how to rest spiritually. Now you might be sitting here going, well, I don't really understand it. Here's the cool thing. You have the Holy Ghost inside of you that understands it exactly for you and will help you. All you have to do is be willing and obedient. Meditate on this scripture right here. And you'll learn how to rest. You need to rest spiritually. To recover, you must rest. To rest, though, you have to be at peace. To walk in the peace of God, you must learn to walk in his manifest presence 
which is his glory. Many are not exposed to the glory of God very much. Why? Because they're not hearing right. That, that means that then they're not, they're not thinking right, so they're not believing right, and they're not speaking or acting right, so they don't get they don't experience the glory of God. So when they don't when they don't walk in the glory of God, they're not at peace. And if you're not at peace, you can't rest. And if you're not at rest, you can't recover. So what Satan wants is the stress that might be on you tonight. He wants you to carry that into tomorrow, and he'll put more stress on you. But God wants you to go to bed tonight, roll all the cares over on him, and rest. Make a decision. I'm putting your word first. I'm going to attend to it. I'll do whatever it says because I know you love me. And you'll find rest for your souls. All of a sudden, a quiet ceasing. Has your soulish realm ever been loud? You're laying in bed and it's so loud. Boy, there's people watching online right now. I could feel it. I could, there's people in here, I'm feeling what you're feeling right now. And I've been there. Guess what? I'm always tempted to be there. But I don't ever have to give in to that anymore. God wants you to rest. Many are exposed to the glory of God so very little because they don't hear right, they don't think right, And because they don't hear and think right, they're not believing right, they're not speaking right, and they're not acting right. And this is why so many don't walk in genuine faith, which is rest. So tonight, I would say this. If you don't know how to rest then you don't know much about faith because faith is a rest. And here is the good news. You could start that process right now. And you could learn everything about faith and everything about rest because our Father, the Spirit of the living God, the mighty Holy Spirit, Jesus loves you so much and they love to reveal all of this to us. Wow, this is, this is huge. This is huge. Well, I hope this has helped you a little bit. Boy, I, I, right now I'm just in a place. Man, all I could tell you is this, guys. We're going to lay hold of all this together. So be excited. Let tonight be the best night's sleep you've ever gotten. Right? And don't settle. You stay And if tonight isn't, then you stick with it until you learn how to rest on the inside and you'll be amazed at how you rest on the outside. And it's not like taking medication when you wake up the next day and you're all groggy. No, when you learn how to rest inside, man, you jump out of bed in the morning and you're excited for the day because he's teaching you and encouraging you all night in your spirit, man, building you up because he loves you. Amen.